Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The lake of fire is the final destination of Satan, the false prophet, demons, and all of those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Hell and lake of fire are two totally different things. Now, now let me just say here, I realize that, that the subject of hell is not politically correct. It's not PC. To talk about hell. I mean, when's the last time you heard a sermon? Dear congregants, today we're going to talk about hell. It's not all that doesn't make you feel good. And oh, no, it's not politically correct. People don't want to talk about hell. You know, I was reading this quote by this guy. His name is J.C. Ryle, R-Y-L-E, and he was an evangelical bishop of Liverpool. And he said this, these powerful words. He said, the watchman who keeps silent when he sees a fire is guilty of gross neglect. The doctor who tells us we are getting well when we are dying is a false friend. And the minister who keeps back hell from his people in his sermons is neither a faithful nor charitable man. True. Very true. A recent survey I was reading. It was determined that 35, get this, 35% of Baptists, 54% of Presbyterians, 58% of Methodists, 60% of Episcopalians do not believe in a literal place called hell. 71% of the eight leading seminaries in the United States do not believe in either heaven or hell. 71% of the eight leading seminaries do not believe in heaven or hell? Listen, I don't care what they believe. I believe and I know the Bible says there is a real hell and hell is really eternal. There's a real hell and hell is really eternal. In the New Testament alone, the eternality of hell occurs 126 times. Jesus talked about hell more than any other preacher in the Bible. And basically, Jesus' message was this concerning hell. Do whatever you must do to avoid it. That basically is what Jesus said. Do whatever you must do to avoid it. It's a place of outer darkness, the Bible says. And in hell you will see no one. Have you ever been in a place where it's so incredibly dark that, that it's gripping, it's chilling, it's scary because it's so dark 
You can't see a thing. It's just dark. Well, even in that is hell in and of itself. I mean, think about it. I mean, we talk about hell and the fire and the punishment and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and the fire is not quenched. And we talk about all these things about hell, but did you ever think about it? Think about it. Just the blackness alone and never seeing a person forever and ever, uh, forever and ever and ever not seeing someone, that is hell in itself. Last week we talked about the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is called the bottomless pit because it is bottomless. You knew that, didn't you? Deep thought, Rodney. And the bottomless pit, in the bottomless pit, people in the bottomless pit are just falling and falling and falling and and, and eternally falling and falling and falling. And even in that, that is hell in and of itself. Hell is a real place, a place of outer darkness. And Jesus says, you don't want to go there. Jesus talked about hell so much because he's been there. He descended and then ascended. He's been there and he knows you don't want to go there. Well, then notice the great white throne judgment beginning in verse 11. Then I, John, saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. That's rich people and poor people, all people, kings and peasants, Small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And then in verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to to his works. Now, last week we talked about, I told you that there were two resurrections. And we talked about the first resurrection was all believers who had died before the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. Revelation 20 verse 5. We looked at that last week. And here we have the second resurrection. This is the rest of the dead. Unbelievers. People who are not Christian. Death will give up the bodies and Hades or hell will give up the spirits. This is the first time, interesting, since it was created that hell is emptied and the sea gives up the dead that are in it. Now that's amazing. The sea gives up the dead. You know, some people have their body cremated and they want their ashes spread at sea and You know, some people want to be, you know, in a casket and they want their casket taken out and buried at sea. This verse is fascinating. This verse says that even all of the cremated ashes that people have tossed out to the sea, which I I don't know why people would want to do that. I mean, maybe they were love the sea or love fish or something. I don't know. But but all of those ashes and that have been cremated and cast out to the sea, the Bible says that the sea is going to give up the dead. Somehow, I don't know, I can't explain it, but somehow God is going to, to, to bring together those ashes back to its original body and raise it up out of the water for judgment. And the bodies in the sea will 
come up out of the sea. The, the sea will give up the dead. In other words, the, the idea here is that no sinner will escape this great white throne judgment. Notice that. Now, the word throne is used 30 times in the book of Revelation. But notice here, John sees a great white throne. To distinguish this throne from all other thrones, this throne was great in status and power and authority, white and pure and holy. It's a throne of kingly sovereignty. And there's absolutely no hiding from this throne. No one can escape it. The great white throne judgment is a judgment for the unbeliever, for the non-Christian. If you don't believe in Jesus, you will die without accepting Jesus Christ. The next time you see Jesus, you will not see him with a crown of thorns on his head. The next time you see him, if you're not a Christian, listen. The next time you see him, you won't see him with a crown of thorns. You'll see him with a diadem on his head, a crown. And he will be sitting on a great white throne, not hanging on an old rugged cross. And it is on that great white throne with his diadem and all of his royalty and all of his sovereignty and all of his splendor that he is going to take the books and he's going to open those books. And every thought that you have ever thunk, that's not a word, but every thought that you've ever thunk, I mean, it's not think then, is it? No, and it's not thought. I knew that. Every thought that you've ever had will be recorded in this book. Everything that you've ever looked at is recorded on this record. Every idle word judged, everything you've ever done, and every act you've ever committed is on record. Every moment of your life since you were born is on record and stored in the vault in heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. God will judge and bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The judgment at the great white throne judgment. And there will be a judge, but no jury. A prosecution, but no defense. A sentence, but no appeal. No one will be able to accuse the judge or excuse themselves. At the great white throne judgment, you will be found guilty. You will stand there, be found guilty, and then you will bow your knee. That's exactly what Paul told the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2. He said that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess, read it with me, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look, in your pride, listen, because you know it's a prideful thing not to receive Jesus now. In your pride, in your rebellion, in your refusal to bow your knee, your heart in worship of him, Someday at the great white throne judgment, you will bow your knee 
Every, remember every, in the Greek language, every means every, all, bar none. Every person, Christian and non-Christian, will bow their knee to Jesus Christ and proclaim him as Lord. And in your pride and in your rebellion and in your stiff neck, you won't hear willingly, but before the throne, but before the great white throne, you shall, you will. Now understand this here. The great white throne judgment, as I said, is a judgment for the unbeliever. The Christian, if you are a Christian, this great white throne judgment, you won't be before this judgment. Why? Because you have already, but your sins have already been judged on Calvary's tree. You've already been, Jesus took your sin upon himself. You, your sin was already judged. See, sin has to be judged. Your choice, sin has to be judged. Now, Jesus took our sin upon himself, and God's judgment, God's, may I, might I add, righteous judgment was poured out upon Jesus Christ. He bore our sins. He bore our judgment. So Christians don't stand before the great white throne judgment. Christians stand before the Bema seat judgment. And that is a place where Christians will receive rewards for what they have done on this earth. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says that some works are are, are wood, hay, and stubble. And some are gold and silver and precious stones. And what's going to happen is our works as Christians are going to be tried in the fire. Now, I remember for many, many years, I'm kind of a vivid imagery kind of guy, and I remember for many years feeling like the trying in the fire spoke of like this big celestial oven in the sky. And someday God was going to take all of my works and put them in the really big oven. And when they come out, having been tried in the fire of the heavenly oven... They're going to come out and whatever's left, that's what my reward was going to be. But now, listen, after studying Revelation, now now I feel like, you know, we've been talking about his eyes. Jesus' eyes are like a flame of fire. And now I feel like, and this is my, my opinion, my position, that, 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 that our works are going to be, be judged by his eyes. As a Christian, he'll look at your works and his eyes being a flame of fire will, will burn away that which is wood, hay, and stubble. That's the stuff you did for you. That's the stuff you did for your glory. That's the stuff you did of, you know, I want people to see how holy I am, so I've got my big coffee table Bible that I'm going to take to church. <laughs> Write a check, go stand in the offering box, you wait till a lot of people going by. <laughs> and people go, Did you see their gift? That's the stuff you do for you. That's, that's wood, hay, and stubble. That stuff's going to burn away. But the stuff you did for Jesus, the time that you prayed for people, the time that you wept for people, the time that you spent talking to him, and the time that you spent serving him in any way that you could because you wanted to further the kingdom of God because you know that Jesus is the only way and the only hope and people are lost without him, that's the stuff that's going to last in eternity and that's the stuff you're going to receive a reward for at the Bema seat judgment and you're going to get rewards at that time. God's going to say to you, well done my good and faithful servant. 
enter now into the joy of the Lord. But, but, but none of this other stuff. You know, I've been watching the Jerry Lewis telethon. I, that was on last week, the Jerry Lewis telethon. And, uh, and, and I think it's cool. And, and I think that's good. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, if you're, if you're sending money, they're collecting millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and good acts on there and good shows and stuff like that is really, really cool. And if you're giving money to Jerry Lewis Telethon to help the Jerry's kids, that's a wonderful thing. Look, we're Christians and we're to be salt and light. We're to help out wherever we can. Whatever you can do to make a difference in this world for the glory of God, hear me, for the glory of God, do it. Send a check to Jerry's kids. Help out. Send a check to me. Help out. (laughs) Help out. Go ahead. Do it. But listen, listen, listen. You're not going to get into heaven because you helped out Jerry's kids. Helping out Jerry's kids ain't going to get you into heaven. Helping an old lady across the street ain't going to get you into heaven. Doing good works of righteousness will not get you into heaven. You know what Billy Graham said? He said this. He said, I'm not going to heaven because I'm Billy Graham, a famous preacher. I will get in because the blood of Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. Isn't that great? You know, I heard a story. Oral Roberts, Billy Graham, and Robert Schuller were in a plane crash. And at the same time, they, they went to heaven. And, of course, in all these stories, Peter is standing at the gate. You ever notice in all these stories, Peter's standing at, what is Peter, the bouncer or something? What's, I mean, Peter's at the gate. All the time. I mean, Peter is like everywhere. He meets everyone. What's up with that? Well, Peter's standing at the gate and and Peter stands and he says, listen, fellas, he says, you've got to stand in the back of the line and wait about two or three hours. Well, all of a sudden, this little guy walks up with a hat on. He's got jeans and suspenders and boots on. And he walks up. He shakes Peter's hand, gives him a high five. Peter says, go right in. Well, Oral and Billy and Robert... They walked to the head of the line and said, hey, Pete, I mean, what's the deal here, man? I mean, we've been waiting several hours, and this guy comes out of nowhere. He walks right up, and he walks right in. I mean, who is this guy? And Peter said, well, that was John Jackson. He was a taxi cab driver in New York City. And he scared the hell out of more people than the three of you combined. (laughs) No one. No one gets into heaven based on who they are. All these people, People Magazine, they had the who's who. You ever see that one? I do a lot of reading at the gym, y'all. Y'all got nothing to do. I read my Bible. But like, okay, what's that? People Magazine, they got a who's who. Who's dressed like who, and who's the most raggedy dressed, and who's the best dressed, and, you know, and all this nonsense of who's who. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be looking, who's them? Who's that? So who's who in heaven? No, nobody gets into heaven, only by the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. That's it. No other way. Absolutely no other way. Well, not only the books were open, but another book. Did you see that? Another book was open, the book of life. Now, the book of life is found eight times in the Bible, and each time it refers to those who are saved, those who have accepted Jesus Christ. Names are written in the book of life. Now, you will not find the book of life at barnesandnoble.com. You won't. This book 
is a very important book, like no other book. It's so important, and it's important to have your name written in this book because it's the difference between heaven and hell. All true born-again believers' names are written in this book of life. And someday, Jesus' nail-scarred hands are going to scan this book and scan this list of names. And if your name is not written in this book, Jesus will say sadly and reluctantly and yet firmly, depart from me, I never knew you. And what a sad day that will be for you. Well, in closing, notice in verse 14, then death and Hades was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. As people are brought before the Lord to stand at the great white throne judgment, And they hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you, forever separated from God. Notice death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The first death is when they died physically. The second death speaks of the fact that they will die spiritually. Spiritual banishment from God forever and ever cast into the lake of fire forever and ever, never to live again, no coming back, no reincarnation, nothing, never to come back. You see, the book of Revelation, as we draw to a close, we've got two more chapters, and we're done, verse by verse, line upon line, in the book of Revelation. Isn't that awesome? And God has really met us here. I believe so. But the book of Revelation, the whole book, the point of it is sin is eliminated. That's the point of the whole book. Sin is eliminated, either at Calvary's cross or the lake of fire. And that's why you need to be sure that your name is written in the book. Well, how do you do that, Rodney? It's as simple as surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, giving your heart and your life to him. And should you choose not to, then don't blame God if you find yourself in hell. Remember, God is a gentleman. He he doesn't want people in heaven who don't want to be there. You will never run into someone in heaven who's saying, yeah, heaven, I don't want to, what is up with this place? I don't want to be here. You'll never see anybody. You never no people in heaven. Be, oh, praise God! Yes, Lord, we worship you. We love you. Oh, this is great. Oh, yeah. Look at the streets of gold, pearly gates. Peter's at the gate. <laughs> heaven is a great place that you must choose to be, and if you don't choose to be there, then God will not force you to be there. He wants people to be there who want to be there. And if you choose not to, then don't blame him. You know, there's an interesting words in closing engraved on an old cathedral in Lebeck, Germany. Listen as I read. It says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. You call me life and choose me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me noble 
and serve me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me might and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. God never has, he never will send anyone to hell. If you choose hell, God will simply, as a gentleman should, honor your choice. And the Bible says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Who will you serve? Will you serve God? Will you commit your heart and your life to God? Or will you serve yourself? Will you serve the devil? You know the end of the story. There's no reason now not to choose Jesus Christ. Amen, saints. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.